spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass for more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish I am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable me to keep the running costs of this podcast going. And enjoy. Take care. Bye-bye. Spoken Hi, guys. Andy N. Spoken Label. Back in the house on a Tuesday evening. Is it? In England, it's been a fairly warm day today for a March. So, so, we're, so of course, we're not speaking so many England. We're going to go a bit more further abroad. And what I know this country is usually raining a lot or is usually fairly warm. So we're speaking to a lovely lady called Melissa, and I'll let Melissa introduce herself in a second, but she's from South Africa. So I'm looking forward to chatting to Melissa today, because I met her originally on a Sunday morning programme called the Sunday Assembly. I think it was it last year, Melissa, we first spoke. So yeah. I thought it was, yeah. So I know we spoke on the Sunday and Sunday Assembly programme, which Tony, my friend Tony Kinsella was a big hand in. And I don't know how Tony found out about you originally, but I was spellbound by your words. And it's took us a while to get this sorted out because it's storing my life usually. But anyway, so okay, Melissa. Obviously, for people who don't know you, then would you like to introduce yourself? People tell people obviously where you're originally from, where you live now, and what starts you off you with your creativity. Hi, I'm, I'm Melissa Sassons. I am a poet, a veterinarian, a queer person. I live in Cape Town, and I was born in Pretoria in South Africa. Um, I've always written, but over the last few years, I've become more focused in my writing and poetry is always the thing that's drawn me. Um, so I've, especially with lockdown, spent a lot of time advancing my skills as a poet and a writer. Um, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's the same for me as well, because like I've been writing, I've been writing since I was 10. So was it something similar for you that basically was it that sort of age and was it you first started? Yeah, I think my earliest memories of writing are like doing rhyming clues for treasure hunts as a kid. Um, oh, like brilliant. For my brother's birthday party and that kind of thing. So, oh, brilliant, brilliant. Definitely always, always been yeah. writing. Yeah, same for me as well. So, I said it was my case. I did my first poem when I was 10. Got a detention on my second poem when I was 11. So, but that's a story of another day, that one. So, oh, brilliant. So, okay, now, obviously, then. There's quite a bit of ground we want to cover today, and like I said with your poetry because I was re- I'd read your bio before, and it was fascinating stuff here. So, now obviously, I know you've had quite a bit of work published in magazines such as Germ Magazine 
capsule stories, anti-heroin chick, and I think it's Jar Magazine, but the fonts of it are quite a small, small on this. But the first thing I want to talk about, Melissa, obviously, you said you've been learning a lot of your writing over the lockdown period, and I, I can see that where, obviously, you got a second prize, didn't you, in 2020, in the new Contrast National Poetry Prize. So tell us about that, first of all, then. Yeah, so in South Africa, the biggest and oldest lit journal is New Contrast, and they started this um, National Poetry Prize with cash prizes as well as publication. I submitted to it, um, I think I submitted four poems, and then they announced a shortlist of 10 people from that um, original submissions of however many hundreds they got, and my poem was on there. The poem oh, wow. is called um, A New Veterinarian Spends a Compulsory Year Working at a Slaughterhouse. Which wow, is not really it? a poem you would think would make it to a shortlist. No, I was going to ask you about your veterinarian in a bit and next, actually, but we'll talk about that um, now then. But that's a heck of a title for a piece, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I so... Get, um, wow. What was that piece then, obviously? And I think I'm sure I've read that piece somewhere, or you, you might have even read that one out over at Sunday Assembly. I think I did, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you did, because title like that does tend to stick in your head about that one. Was that the kind of piece then where the title came first, or did you write that after you'd done the poem? Um, the title came after the poem, um, and it, the title was kind of trying to explain the poem in as brief a way as possible for people to get the context of the, the poem. Um, wow. No, brilliant, no, brilliant. That's great stuff, no, I say indeed. So, well, like I said, it's um, with your poetry then, generally, how... Um, I'm trying to think of the phrases then. So, like, do you have it when you were growing up? Were there any writers that you really, really influenced you when you work? Um, as a as a young child, you know, I read Enid Blyton and that kind of thing. Um, oh, it's my my sister's favourite novelist. Now she absolutely <laughs> worships Enid. Fine, famous five is her favourite one. I know it is. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that yeah, growing up with that that kind of fantasy and and these characters that became beloved. Um, as a teenager, I got a little bit more into poetry and like when I was at university, started listening to spoken word, um, and you know watching Batson poetry and that kind of thing on YouTube. Yeah, back up is incredible. I my people yeah. for doing that because I I would never have the guts to do that. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's amazing. Um, so, yeah, these days, those those poets have kind of inspired me. Andrea Gibson, Megan Fally, Rachel McKibbins. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard of all three of them on brilliant stuff. Okay, I want to also share it well, because obviously, like, I know reading it up in what you said there before was, you also was selected, weren't you, as well, one of the winners of the Clement Gold Writing Competition as well. So... When did this happen then? Was that around about the same time then, was it, or was it? Um, it was, I think it was the year before, or towards the end of end of the year before, um, so also during the lockdown time. Um, but it was a, Clement Gold is a Nachi or Mandarin producing company here, so they do quite a lot for the arts, which is really cool. And they had this fruit-themed, um, citrus fruit-themed competition. So oh, I was writing to, to a prompt in a way, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I love I love writing to prompts. I yeah. think if you get a good prompt, can't you? It can really spark you off sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, I think my best writing happens with prompts. Yeah, it's like 
I don't know, it's like a guide sometimes, isn't it? And it's, I think, so what do you think, like, because obviously that says that's like going to a workshop. And I'm guessing mm. in your case there, it'd have been like, it would have fought, I think it forces your brain to operate in different ways, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, sometimes it unlocks things you wouldn't necessarily get to without starting down a path. Yeah, obviously, with your job then, obviously, like, because people that might know you would obviously know you're a vet. That's in like your day, well, of, of what I guess is your day job, really. Yeah. Does, um, do you find your worlds collide then with your poetry and your job? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think also maybe more in the last few years that I've started embracing writing about my more unique work experience. Um, and it gives me a, a cathartic outlet for, for a lot of the stresses of the job. So it's yeah. definitely a big theme of, of my work. Yeah, can't blame it because I've told you off mic what my day job is. I'm usually a bit more careful how I actually adapt to that in the work. But it does. It's mm. I think mm. it's it's your experiences, isn't it, as a writer? And yes. I've been guessing that's what it's your, yours is like himself. So he said we're doing your vet work. I was like, she's the title he said before to us there. I think it all tends to come together, doesn't it? Really. So, but that's yeah. straight away. So now, also I want to ask you as well. And also, I know, have you done a couple of festivals as well, haven't you? I'm guessing both of these are in South Africa as well. I said, we performed in the, at the Poetry in McGregor Festival. Now, tell us about your experiences at a festival, then, first of all. Then. Yeah, so Poetry in McGregor is a lovely little festival here in South Africa. Um, McGregor is this tiny little village, like a sleepy hamlet. And for this one weekend, normally in August, but last year they moved it to November, it just transforms into like the whole village just becomes this little poetry hub and poets all gather there. So it's amazing. Um, and they have various events and little group things and individual things and open mics and book sales. And yeah, it's just a wonderful weekend. So oh, Sounds like my sort of festival, that straight away. <laughs> yes, absolutely. If you're in South Africa, you have to come for that. Um, yeah, I've, I've been able to participate there since 2018. Um, and last year, I also ran an open mic, which was oh, really fun. Wow. Um, so, Brilliant. yeah, it's been fun to kind of grow in the community through repeated visits. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, I, 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 you, what? I don't think you know this, but I, I, I regularly co-run a monthly open poetry night night myself. So, what was your experience of awesome. organising organising that? Then was it? Did you find that really quite an interesting experience? Yeah, it was stressful, nerve wracking. Um, I'm outside are. my comfort zone as an MC, but it was really nice to see the enthusiasm of you know how many people wanted to share and that kind of thing that. Poetry is alive and well. Um, so it's um, very rewarding. Oh, I'm always a believer with creativity and it slides to poetry as well. Well, since I first got into this game a few, more than a few years ago, it always um, leads in different directions. Like some ways, I don't think you necessarily expected at the time. Could you imagine yourself when you were, say, a little bit younger, you could have been emceeing like at a festival like that? No, I don't think so. Um, I'm a quiet, reserved person, so it's, <laughs> it's been it's been really good personal growth to put myself out in that way. Um, yeah. It's surprising for me, because I well, well, I'll be honest, you, I've been I'm nearly fifty now. When I first started getting creativity, I was thirty five. I was yeah. fairly quiet. It changed over time, and have you found that for yourself? And you had 
you've changed as a person since you started getting creative, involved in your creativity? Yeah, I think um, writing, creating and sharing has made me a braver person, a more vulnerable person. Um, you know, you're really bearing your soul and then to actually go say that, say those words to other people, whether they're friends and family or in a public space, like an open mic, it's, it's made me a lot braver to be who I am in all aspects of my life. Yeah, I noticed that with um, a form and you've, you've had some you've had some poetry done, haven't you, with a Poetry of Human Rights website, Stand Foundation. And, um, for example, I know that one because I've, I've just spotted that just before I did. And um, that was something that probably comes in at your natural growth then really, hasn't it, as a person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to apply yourself to diff- different topics and... Yeah, I agree. Speak out. I think as poets, we are, I think we're a lot, we, I think we're almost subconsciously expected to go and do things that old people wouldn't necessarily do. Mm. And I think that's your case there straight away with it. Yeah, I agree. Now, I also want to know about as well, off the wall, is it? You've got off the wall as well as a festival. So mm. tell us about that. Um, not a festival, but it's a it's a weekly open mic here. Ah, um, right. I wasn't sure. With- I wasn't sure. Yeah, with um, COVID, obviously it was online Zoom, but they have started this year with some in-person things again. So I've read there. Um, I've also, last year I was involved in starting another open mic thing here in Cape Town um, called the Red Wheelbarrow. Um, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, we, we host poets every week. So we have a weekly thing every Thursday night and then we also have an open mic. Um, so that we've had... I've got a friend in the UK who's popped in a few times, so that's something that people are welcome to join. Oh yeah, I'll um, take I'll take some details off you later on. Definitely, that was on Zoom. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, love to have got that's that. also nice. Yeah, brilliant. Now, obviously, I want to. The main part of the conversation today is I know obviously uh, you've got a collection on the way soon, haven't you? As well, so I want to ask yes. you about that next. So, and that's coming forth coming from Caravan Press. Is that correct? Yes. Tell us about that, mate. I'm going, I'd, I know when we booked this in, people are wondering when we booked this in, was it November last year, didn't we? So and it took us a while to get things connected for various reasons. But I didn't know you had a collection on the way at the time. So tell us about this collection and you've got in mind. Yeah, so this, it's fairly new news, so it wasn't something I knew was happening at the time ah. when I spoke. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I submitted my manuscript to various presses and got a few rejections along the way. And then this one let me know, actually at the McGregor Festival last year, that oh, she was going to publish it. Um, and earlier this year, we sat down and ironed out the details. But I've got my first full-length debut collection coming. Sort of, it should be around middle of the year, maybe around July, hopefully. Brilliant, um, brilliant. It's going to be titled Slaughterhouse. So they are... It's like um, an eye-catching title there, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's not all about slaughter, though there are quite a few death poems, but not not from the animal death only, but just my perspective on it as a vet who's dealing with, with animals being put down and that kind of thing. Yeah, of course, um, yeah. I'm getting completely lost. Yeah. yeah. How, um, of what period has this collection been wrote then? Has it took you quite a while to write this collection? 
Yeah, I think the some of the oldest poems are probably from 2018. Um, the majority of it has been written since COVID, really, um, since 2020. Um, but I've got older poems through the last four years. Brilliant, brilliant. Have you found the novel? Because I was, I was going to ask you about this before, but I always wander around these conversations anyway. But um, yeah. obviously, you've been told about, we've both talked about COVID during this period already. Do you think your work actually changed much over the COVID situation? Did it make you, um, yeah, did it make you look think, at things in different ways, I think? Yes, it, it definitely gave me... I think before COVID, I'd gone through quite a long dry spell of not writing much. Um, and it, yeah, it gave me time, even though I worked throughout, obviously being, being a vet, we didn't close, but there wasn't other things to do outside of you know the, in South Africa we weren't even allowed to walk our dogs for a period so like yeah we I heard really it bound to our houses I've got a friend that lives in Cape Town and was another yeah. poet and she told me exactly the same where she told me some quite graphic stories I'm not going to repeat online certainly it is <laughs> Well, certainly was, I never saw the army on the streets where I live anyway. Certainly we yeah. were in lockdown with machine guns, that's for sure. So. Yeah, no, it was hectic. So there was a lot of time to sit with yourself and your work and write again. And once I got started, I just it just snowballed. And yeah, yeah. without COVID, I don't think it would have happened. I think it's forced, it forced me to go in a different direction in my work. And I, I think you maybe go more inward look bit more mm. reflective and did it do that for you then do you reckon with your work then? yeah I think for me mostly what I can attribute my unlocking to is the the poetry course that I was involved in at the from the beginning of COVID which is Megan Fally's poems that don't suck um, and I had done the course with her in 2018 as a one-on-one -on -one thing and then she launched this group version now with with COVID and lockdown and everyone being stuck at home and I participated in that and that unlocked things through prompts and just yeah her teaching methods and from there it's just been non-stop outflowing. No, yeah. please, I'm pleased to that. Yeah, it does. As um, I ended up, I've I'm going to probably relaunch this again soon as well. Where as soon as we went into lockdown in England, when I got in touch with a couple of dear writing friends of mine, and we ended up doing like a fortnightly. Zoom poetry reading and or awesome. writing or writing actually it was. And my wife Amanda yeah. was involved in it as well. And there's about six of us, and it was we were bouncing off each other in a, a way that was quite un, I don't extraordinary in some ways, isn't it? So yeah, that's why I think mean, it's lockdown's been good in some ways, and we get this sound yeah. like it's been good for you straight away. Yeah, now that community that we found, even though we've far apart and separated, I think. The world feels closer to me, or I feel like I've got more community than I had before. Yeah, I think so. I think lockdown's been good for that. Like, I, I did. Did you use Zoom much for all lockdown? No, not really. Not at I'd all. used it twice. I seem to recall. It's been great because it's it like helped me out this podcast series. And prior to yeah. that, I did chat to some people up in England, but I never really gone abroad. And it's been like I've yeah. made so many new friends all over the world. It's I don't know, it's opened the world up, really. It's possibly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's been definitely. a fascinating experience. So, now, a couple of things to conclude with, anyway, to help us wrap up then before we, before we go on to use some poems for us. Is obviously you're telling me about some teaching assistant work you were doing before, weren't you? Was it mentoring? Mm. Tell us yes. about that then. Also, so through Megan Fally's poems that don't suck that I spoke about after I 
participated in the first round, I um, in the in the course we generate work, we give each other feedback, that kind of thing. And I was the over eager student in the class that was giving everybody <laughs> feedback. So thereafter, I was promoted to um, get to stay on for the for the next course as a as an assistant and and giving feedback and helping guide people. And I've been doing that since we just finished our. Um, eighth round wow beginning of this year so yeah no it's been fantastic it's it's amazing very rewarding work for me to see poets grow and to help them you know grow their poems and edit and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, same. I'll tell you off mic before it was, um, like I've mentored three poets, or four poets actually, or three and a half, mm. you can argue, and three of them have got really good book deals in the boat, you know, which is better than what oh. I've done, but <laughs> it is what it is, so that's it is. But yeah, you do, I mean, you get something out of it, you just love, I love helping people, and I can see that, what you're telling me there. There's, it's an adrenaline rush, isn't it, really? We feel like you're yeah. just encouraging to people all the time. Yeah, no, it's and you get back just as much as you give, I think. Yeah, definitely. No, brilliant, good luck of it. Now, I was going to quickly check me as well. I noticed in your Instagram page you've been mentioning Napa Wino. So, are you going to be doing that this year then? Again, National Poetry Writing Month. I yeah, I'd like to. Um, I've I think I've probably done like three out of four in the last few years. Last year I did. Um, I also started writing prompts last year, so I shared 30 prompts on my Instagram page and wrote to those myself. Oh, brilliant. Um, so I'm planning to do that again this year. I am a little bit behind on getting prompts together. I'm normally a little bit more organized, but I'm going to, by the end of the weekend, have my 30 yeah. prompts ready. So, yeah. yes, definitely. Oh, good luck for you. Yeah. I know you mean, I'm, like, but I've been doing it, what, must be my 10th year now this year, I reckon my reckoning it is. So, Amazing. Yeah, it's just like it's, I try to be as clear as much as I can so I can sit down and try and do some writing. It might end yeah. up being 30 haikus, and I think I did that last year, actually. So it's like, yeah. instead, instead of like writing proper poems, but it's, it's an adrenaline rush, isn't there, really? I think if yeah, you it's all going to it. Yeah, something about that commitment, I think. I mean, I've some of the days I barely write anything what feels like it's total nonsense. But I've from National Poetry Writing Month, I've got some poems that I've ended up loving and submitting for publication and whatever. So Yeah, same um, for me. Same for me. I think yeah. sometimes like it's both the day jobs we've got. You can get to the end of the end of the day. Being, yeah, it's oh, like a chore. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, yeah. no. Like scribble two face. seconds before bed, and you're like, no, I've done it. <laughs> done it. Done. Next day, worry about it then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, now. Still counts. Oh, it's definitely a poem in my mind, right? Um, <laughs> to conclude, any on Melissa, if people want to find out more about you, where are the mm. best going? Um, at this point, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Melissa Sassons. Um, I am working on a website, which will hopefully launch before my book does, so that will also have some info then, um, which will be melissasassons.com, but that's not ready yet. Um, but yeah, my social media has all my links to poems and all that good stuff. Brilliant. Okay, then. What we'll do, we'll wrap up now on this part one. We'll stop the recording and everybody... Hang around, we'll come back in part two. And I'm going to, with Melissa, we'll read out a couple of pieces for us. I've really enjoyed this today, Melissa, so thank you. Thank so, you. We'll see you all in a minute. Spoken later. Hi, guys. Yeah, still here with the wonderful Melissa. She's now going to share four pieces from us. 
and I believe all four are from your forthcoming collection, Melissa. So over to you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, so this is an exclusive look at some of the poems that will be in my forthcoming collection from Caravan Press. First poem I'm going to read, um, I actually wrote in a workshop with Ollie O'Neill, who's a British poet, um, and this was inspired by one of her poems. Etymology of a queer becoming, after Ollie O'Neill. I spend afternoons in the mud, marry my Barbies before I know that this is a political act that Ken exists to play at marriage with. My make-believe family is already complete without him. I keep all my English teacher's notes, 13 and infatuated, I do not know to name this obsession, do not know it should be named at all. Instead, I write bad poetry and collect her signatures in a secret drawer. I sit at the front of the class, get 98% and the only gold star I want is the teacher's smile directed at me. I'm not sure what lesbian is, but I know that it's bad. A word flung like spitballs into the face of another girl in the class. I lock myself away, my brain a bathroom stall of safety where I scribble on the walls. Ryan, Brandon, boys, boys, boys. It takes me months of Googled, am I a lesbian quizzes to even give myself a silent name. I am 16 and in love for the first time. I write songs about a girl with red hair, blush beneath the covers in the dark as I lock my words into a diary, let the pages become the keeper of my fluttering fantasies. My hand tingles in the places love has brushed past at the school play rehearsals. I live unrequited. I am drunk, have lost my first kiss to drink, lost my first experience of touch to a love that knows only take. I did not say no, but afterwards I wish I had. At the gay bar, I watch dykes dance and feel lonely, feel like I do not belong. I walk in the pride parade, but I am not glitter enough. I do not have enough rainbow in me to fit in with all this carefree. There are no quiet, queer coffee shops for me to write poetry in, so I climb into my closet of straight friends, try on stereotypes like a kid playing dress up. The outfits do not fit, not butch enough to discard dresses, not femme enough for heels. I am queer, but not alternative enough. Out, but not proud. Tremendous, absolutely tremendous. I love the honesty of your work then, Melissa. Now, I hopefully, obviously, we had a, I had a bit of sound trouble then. The sound bounced <laughs> from about 10 seconds then. But I think it's come out okay. I'll disguise change onto watch onto me straight microphone on my laptop because the headphones malfunctioned. But that was absolutely tremendous. Really, I really, really felt your emotion in your work then. It was just, you could, say, you could tell then all that came from the heart. Was that quite an easy piece of you to write? Because it's obviously so close to you, so close to you. No, I wouldn't say it was easy. It was it was a revealing piece, a vulnerable piece to yeah. kind of look back like that and then speak it now yeah no powerful, powerful. Enough, yeah rewarding yeah definitely that so it's great piece so okay on to piece number two thank you next one i'm going to read um is one of my vet poems as i like to call them or think of them 
Um, there's a number of poems in my collection that deal with my work as a vet, um, and that's both in the sense of small animal veterinary medicines so dogs and cats, which is what I do these days, um, and especially focusing on euthanasia and putting pets down and dealing with sick pets, because obviously that's, that's a massive emotional part of this job and of being a pet owner and being involved in a pet's life. Um, and then I've also got poems in my collection that that are about my experience working at a slaughterhouse for a year, which is where the title Slaughterhouse comes from. But anyway, this poem is a, is a vet poem, and this one's called A Veterinarian's Lament. The collapsed back legs are a weight I cannot escape. My thoughts haunted by the ache of brown eyes and lungs creaking for breath. I cannot forget this repeated ending. My hand, the final exit point, the back door out of life. On this day, it is Scamp, who knows you love him so much so that you have buried the reality, have brushed aside his decline like stray fur off the couch. Now, together we let Scamp go, but we cannot keep him leashed to this life any longer. This life that was the freedom of an open field, the joy brought by the clang of the dinner bowl. Now his last breaths rattle into the beginning of the end. My syringe is connected and he goes still, relaxing against me, your hand on his head, your love staining your cheeks. He is released. I try not to numb myself to the bite of this responsibility, to the pain of bearing witness to your breaking to the taking of a life. I collect my face outside the door, find my grief buried beneath the repetition of the dying. I must keep myself leashed to humanity. I forgive myself for not giving as unconditionally as they do, for not always fetching my emotions or bringing them to sit at your feet in every room. I forgive myself for sometimes leaving them abandoned like a forgotten toy outside my door. I forgive you for needing me to translate the decision for you. I forgive you for forgetting to imagine the nights I've spent awake, circling through memories of the suffering, rolling over into their pain, helpless to fix them, forgetting I am only human too. You almost, you almost made me cry that last part, last line then. Oh, God. Oh, dear. It's like, I think doing the day job you do as a vet, and it's, I think it's one of the most difficult jobs you could do, to not you? That's why. So it's, and so respect for you for doing that as well. It's, I could feel that the emotion of the animals and also your emotion when you have to look after them and be like, care for them, really. It's, it's incredible, incredible, so... As a vet, out of interest, in, what's the most unusual pet you want to deal with? Have you ever had a really unusual one? I don't do that much weird stuff nowadays, um, but I had a bunch of unusual pets growing up as a child. Oh, yeah. Um, we had a squirrel. Oh. Comedians, which I watched Ooh. give birth, which was amazing. Um various fish, parrots, snakes, and lizards. My dad was always getting us a new 
getting new pets. So I grew up with a lot of various critters. Um, I think some of the coolest stuff I did as a student, which is when I had the most variety of, of animals, was like getting to do a post-mortem on a rhino. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, Whoa. <laughs> that was really cool. Um, yeah, very thick skin. <laughs> Blunted yeah. many knives. Um, yeah, so we've I've seen some cool stuff. Yeah, completely. They showed. I think the experience of that even of that showing your poem then as well with your compassion to all the animals that was fantastic stuff that okay I don't want to keep you here all night so we better get on the poem number three now I don't we <laughs> okay so the next one is one of the older ones that I've since edited further so this guy was born back in 2018 um, and yeah I would like to think it's a funnier lighter poem compared to the heavier stuff we've done so far Let's see if I deliver it that way. Blue. I call myself crazy, bonkers, demented, and nutcase. Misunderstood and abnormal. I walk beyond sunset in the freezing rain just to keep my body busy. Don't ask me why. I don't think of alternatives. Every time I feel, my mother is sure to remind me. Melissa, you're so much. Just calm down. Once, I ran barefoot down the burning black tar in a dress after my stored belongings were abandoned in a hallway by a new housemate. She morphed our pantry into her walk-in closet. My mother tells me that as a baby, I cried so hard that I stopped breathing, turned blue, the air refusing to find a home in my lungs. I passed out limp. This is to say that I've always been intense. I imagine a lifetime with a woman and then lose her in only nine days. I hold on to memories for 19 months. I regret scraping creme brulee into a toilet seven years ago. I stand beside bodies of water and let them paint my face blue with shadow and sky. My emotions give birth to emotions of their own until I am a whole family tree of sadness with an asylum of tears dripping off my chin. It's attractive. The insta-poets say I should give myself permission to exist in my emotions, to sit and write what I feel. So I walk when I need to walk. I take moments of silence and I scream down the phone at my mother, who has seen me at my bluest. She still doesn't understand the way my bones rattle, my inability to just breathe. But she tries really hard to make sympathetic noises anyway. I shower karaoke my other names, funniest person in the world, according to me, tender friend, not giver upper, tortured artist who should do more art and less torture, busy bee, weapon of ass destruction, blue. Brilliant again, brilliant. I love the use of the colour, right, and the last line there as well. It like, seemed, that seemed to emphasise it quite nicely. That one. Oh, brilliant. Really, really enjoyed that piece. So. What made you write that piece? And where did the inspiration for that piece come from then? I think at the time I wrote it, it was when I was going through a lot of very strong emotions with relationships and that kind of thing, um, and housemates and yeah, all sorts of things that were just too much for me to handle. So I tried to find the words to describe this too muchness that I was always experiencing. They did a, did a really good job and that was fantastic. So, okay, we're on to, as I always say, it's open label now, the big conclusion. If I could play the trumpet, I'd be playing the trumpet now, be Melissa, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> Sadly not. So I'll have to let you make your own, own fanfare. So back to you for your Good. finale. Thank you. Yeah, so um, my big finale is a love poem. Um, I'm getting married a little bit later this year. So this is a poem about oh, my significant other. Um, and this one is about our first date. So it's called First Date. You were still mostly a stranger when I drove for two hours to reach that city, not yet mine. Alone at the wheel, I held my breath for the tunnel. A minute of darkness broken only by my headlights spilling themselves out in the direction of you. The flight in my belly, a first date to possibility as I sweated through the crowded streets, through the ache of parallel parking to get there, to wait for your sweater soft embrace. Weeks of back and forth text messages had birthed our connection, punctuated by nervous giggles and truth spilling out like a promise. We drank tea and I was quiet for most of the first hour. You chatted about the news stories you'd written while my cheeks turned diamond in the unfailing smile your closeness created in me. When we walked down the sidewalk toward the restaurant you'd chosen, you stumbled, but it was me who was falling for you. You who pulled away from my hopeful hand reaching for your fingers. Our future was still an unknown question. Both of us were too afraid to ask. Yet even in our newness, we were welcomed by a table beneath the eaves, and I took the window seat, but could barely eat, already so full up on those hopeful dreams. I didn't know that night that I would eat a thousand more meals across from you, next to you. I didn't know, but I knew. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that made me think a lot then of the when I met my wife, Amanda, Richard, about just over five years ago. And I don't want to go into too much in it because obviously it's your personal story. But I know, like, haven't they say sometimes when you meet somebody, you know sometimes, don't you, almost straight away? Yeah. And I knew that when I first met Amanda, and I could feel like your peace there straight away then. It's like, there's always an apprehension, I think, when you first meet somebody. But then... Yeah. But, I think you know quite quickly, don't you? So, you felt that way for me, definitely. Oh, brilliant. Well, good luck. Good luck with your forthcoming nuptials, as they call it Thank in England. You. So, <laughs> brilliant. Okay. Now, obviously, we're going to wrap up now, Emily and Melissa, but hang around. I do need to talk to you off mic, off mic anyway. So, I've really enjoyed today. They've been four tremendous poems in have. So, all the best for your collection. Thank you. As they always say, spoken label. Love to have you on again if you want to come on again in the future, definitely. So, Anyway, guys and girls, that's it for today. And as Don Callis, formerly of Impact Wrestling, and I think he's going back to AEW, always says, stay safe and stay over. And we'll see you all next time. Spoken later.